Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. A lot of people don't pay much attention to early season deer hunting, but it can be prime time in the deer woods if you know what you're doing. On this episode, I'm going to talk about five early season strategies that helped me land my buck this year on October 8th. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanidis, and today we're going to talk about hunting the early season. Now, when I say the early season, I don't mean the pre-rut. I mean before the pre-rut. In most areas of the country, of the northern half of the country, you've got the pre-rut starting to kick in, you know, right around the last week of October. You, you really start seeing some activity. Deer, uh, you know, habits might start changing a little bit before that, but the pre-rut really starts to kick in, you know, right around there, plus or minus a week, depending on where you are in the country. And then it moves into the full-blown rut where you've got the most action that you have all year. But if you dial back even before the pre-rut, you start looking at late September, early October, a lot of people just don't hunt that time of the year. It's, it's not people's favorite time. A lot of people complain, well, it's too warm for hunting. I can't get into hunting deer unless it's really cold. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but I hate being cold. So to go out when it's 55 degrees and, or 60 degrees or even 65 and hunt deer, to me, that is excellent. Uh, I, I really enjoy that. But that aside, people don't think it's a productive time of year to hunt. And I can tell you from experience, literally uh, two days before I recorded this episode, that it can be very profitable and fruitful time of the year to hunt. But you got to know what you're doing. You can't hunt the early season like you hunt the rut or like you hunt the late season. 
In fact, I'm going to do just a, a when to hunt and what season episode before long here. But I want to give you five strategies that can help you in the early season. Five strategies. This is before the pre-rut. We're talking September and early, mid-October. And depending on where you are, even in the late October. And of course, these things are always helpful, right? They are always helpful, but they're things you got to think differently when you're going into the early season. So before I do that, though, I want to tell you the story. I want to tell you the story of what happened. So I, I got out of the hunting blind at about uh, 3.30, 3.45 on a Thursday. Sat there, saw a couple of doe fawns, sat another two hours or so, about 5.45. I'm sitting there. A buck walks out. I knew instantly he's a shooter. Raised my bow, took a shot. Boom. Shot was true. He ran maybe a hundred yards, which is actually the furthest I have ever had a deer run, but it was a good double long shot. Literally, as I'm tracking it, I am seeing so much blood on the trail. I'm thinking there can't be much left in the animal by the time I get to it. And he was down. And, and it'd be easy to sit back and say, well, guys, that's all there is to it. Just walk out into the blind and sit there. Deer comes by, shoot it. That's all you got to do. And to be honest, a lot of that's the kind of advice I got when I first started deer hunting. And it was super unhelpful. And you try to follow up on that kind of advice and you make all kinds of mistakes. You won't even know the mistakes that you're making. And it won't work and you won't know why. And you get frustrated. So I want to break it down. The five big strategies of why that worked. So first of all, you need to know where to hunt. You got to know where. The location. Hunting in the in the early season is different than the pre-rut and during the rut. You get into the pre-rut and bucks are moving, they're cruising, they're they're looking. They're they just they've got this urge in them to just cover some ground. So they're on the move. You get into the full rut and bucks are just on the move. They could go miles in a day. They are in full gear chasing does. You find does a lot of the times you can find bucks and so on. But in the early season, it that's just not the way it is. In the early season, bucks are, are still lingering from their summer habits, which means eat, sleep, socialize a little bit, eat, sleep, socialize a little bit. So you got to know where they are that time of year. You, gotta, you have to have some intel. You got to do scouting. You got to have some trail cameras. Or you got to have some, some eyeballs on the ground. You got to be able to read game sign a little bit. By this time of the year, bucks have lost their velvet, but they're not doing a lot of rubs. They're not doing a lot of rubs. They're maybe starting to scrape a little bit, but you don't have a whole lot of the buck sign that you do during the rut. There's a little bit out there. It's starting. You can look for it, but you, trail cameras, I think, are the best way to determine where they are. You just need to, you need to set up some trail cameras or you need to just spend some time in the morning and in the evening with a pair of binoculars or talk to the people that live around where you're hunting and get some intel. You got to know who's around. Um, the other thing is when to hunt. So number one strategy is where. And to break that down even more, in the early season, it's you, you really want to be able to hunt where bucks are going to be during the daylight. You got to hunt either travel corridors leading out of bedding areas or heading to food. 
You can hunt over food plots. That's a little risky if you're going to be hunting with any frequency. But better is to hunt a micro plot or a staging plot or just a food area. You know, if you've got some some acorns that are starting to drop, you've got some apples that are dropping, that's prime time. That's great location. Um, you can't just hunt cruising areas. There's There's got to be a reason for a buck to be where you're sitting. You got to think about it in your mind. Okay, this is a nice patch of woods. There's trails here, lots of deer trails. So there's going to be bucks. No, not necessarily. Why would a buck be within range of where you're sitting? You got to ask the question, why would a buck be there? Now, if you've got trail camera photos that, that show you they're there, then you know they're there. But you got to think, why would, a, why would a deer be there? Why would a buck be in that spot during the daylight? Well, is it on his way to or from food or where he sleeps? That's the number one reason. It's on his way for, to and from where he's already going. That's what you need to think about. Where are they bedding? Where are they eating? Where are food sources? You want to hunt, if you're going to just hunt random trails, you want to hunt trails that lead to food or lead to bedding because they're not just going to cover, you know, a mile or two every day. They're going to cover a couple hundred yards usually during the daylight. Not a whole lot more than that. In some areas, that'll vary, but they're not covering big distance during the daylight. So you got to know where they're at. Number two, you got to know when to hunt. You got to know when. And this will change a little bit depending on where you are. But when are the deer out during the daylight? So the property I was hunting, of course, I had trail cameras up. So I, 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 I forgot about part one. I had trail cameras up, but I also had eyeballs. And I had lots of eyeball sightings and lots of trail camera activity for bucks in the area. So I knew that they're there. I set up on a tenth of an acre clover patch most of the time, and then a couple trails another time. But I knew they were there. When I set up on the on around the food around the clover, I'm seeing deer constantly. I never had a sit without seeing deer, and I sat four times so far. When I set up on trails, I saw deer hundreds of yards away on food sources, on fields, eating, where, and I sat there and I realized, hmm, there's no food here. Why would I think they're going to be here right now? Which is why I stopped setting up over there. Because um, I was not between anything. I was just in a, in a good trail area, which is probably a great spot come November, December. But right now, it was cold. So, set up on food. I was in a blind, overlooking a, a, a you know, you'd call it a staging plot. It's not really a food plot. It's a tenth of an acre. Literally, there are power lines through an area. Power company, not high voltage, just regular house power lines. Power company came in, clear cut 20 feet on either side of the power line. And then I moved in and planted some clover there. Tenth of an acre. Sitting in a hunting blind, overlooking it from a little bit of altitude. And... You know, can only shoot 30, 40 yards with my crossbow. So that's that's all the all the range I've got. So that's all the farther that the plot goes. Literally, I just I decided not to plant anything that was out of range. I just didn't. I was like, why plant anything beyond what I can shoot? Because if I do that, that's where they'll be, right? So I set that up. Had some trails coming in and out of there, and I'm there. Now, when to hunt? I like to hunt in the mornings. 
That's my favorite time to hunt. Get up early, get into the woods, wake up with the woods, and hope to shoot a deer by 7 or 8 o'clock and, and get home in time for breakfast or for brunch. You know, that's my goal. That's what I like to do. I, I That's my preferred way of hunting. And that's the way I started hunting this season. But the trail cameras and the eyeballs had made a compelling case that that was not a good plan. Because there were lots of deer in the morning, mostly does and, you know, one-year-old bucks. But in the not many shootable bucks. In fact, it was five to one sightings and trail camera photos. Maybe even more than five to one slanted towards the evening. I mean, just like, you know, if, if you really ran the numbers on it, and, and I did, you're just like, why would you ever go out in the morning? This year in this place. That might vary. But you got to know where you are when when are they going to be there. You got to have some intel. So I realized, you know what, if I'm hunting the mornings, I could take all the does that I want right now, but uh, there are no bucks in the mornings or very, very few sightings of any buck activity. They are moving in this area in the evening. So I re-geared my strategy, re-geared my mentality, let it hurt myself psychologically to do this because I hate hunting in the evening. I, I just do not like dragging deer out of the woods in the dark and driving to the butcher shop and then getting home late to cleaning my gear, taking a shower, getting to bed late and waking up and doing anything. Uh, I just don't love that. It's not my favorite thing to do, but there was no other real choice. I had to adjust. So I had to shift and start going out for evening hunts, getting in the blind or, or in the tree stand right between three and four o'clock when it gets dark right around seven. So that's, you know, about three, four hours before dark. Even a little earlier would have been nice, but I got work, I got a family, whatever whatever day I pick, I've got something going on. So I either got to leave work early, got to leave my family early, got to do something to get there. Which again, not what I really want to do, but I was doing it. Now some people right now would say, well George, just wait until the rut when things change, when morning hunting works good. and Or even the pre-rut when morning hunting is profitable because deer habits change. In the early season, bucks are around more, they're moving more in the evening than in the morning. But once you get to the pre-rut, then they start having more morning activity. Once you get into the rut, there's more morning activity, but all day can be effective. So people would be like, well, George, why don't you just wait until the rut? Why are you even trying in September and October? Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, 
Shop MidwayUSA.com. Just wait until the rut when it's easier. And you know, that's easy to say, but you've got deer habitat shift. So where I'm hunting, there, there's a lot of cover right now. In the summer and early fall, there's a lot of cover, a lot of cover and jaggers and thick stuff. And I've got this clover that I'm hunting over and deer love to be there. They love it. Especially now that there's some clover, it gives them a reason to congregate in an area before they go off to eat their to eat big in the nighttime. But once you get into November and December, well, things change. All, most of that cover disappears. A lot of it disappears. A lot of those food sources, you know, clo- deer are not eating clover into the winter time. It stops growing after a point. So I realized, you know, deer are here right now. This is when they're here. I don't know if they're going to be here in the rut. And that was my big motivation this year. I just don't know if they're going to be here during the rut. And this all comes under the when to hunt. You've got the time of day, but this is, this is why the when, why you would hunt early season. I just didn't know if they were going to stick around. In the past, my experience on this property has been deer all summer long into September and then gone. Just gone. By mid-October, gone. I remember, the I think it was last year, I hunted opening day. It was September 19th or so, somewhere around there. Took a doe on opening day. I came back out, I think, October... October 19th, literally a full month later, right? Deer are gone. I did a few sits on this property. Didn't see a deer. Didn't hear a deer. It was deer ghost land. Check the trail cameras. No deer. I was like, are you serious? Now in September, you know, the morning I shot my doe, there were probably six deer there I could have shot. You know, if I would have had the right angle, if, had, if I would be able to see them clear enough. I mean, they were just everywhere. I shot the first one I had a good shot on, but there were a lot of deer around. There were a lot of trail cameras signed. There was just a lot going on. But a month later, habitat shift happened. The cover was gone. A lot of the grass, a lot of things had frosted. It was down on the ground. It was laying out. The tall grass they were bedding in was gone. It just laid on the ground. There was no bedding there. A lot of the, the, the leaves and stuff that was giving them daytime side cover. Leaves are gone. It's just bare. It's open woods. Um, the food sources in the area, the weed, the plots of weeds at that point, because I hadn't planted clover yet last year. The plots of weeds, they had frosted. They turned brown. They were dead. Deer didn't care anymore. So the, the attraction was gone. And literally a month after, I mean, there were no deer to be found. I actually had to shift and go to a different property that was more speculative, right? Less of a sure thing, less intel, less everything, and had some good success there during the middle of the rut. But, you know, it was a different habitat, different area. So, you know, if you have deer there now, hunt now. Let me say it again. If you have deer in the area where you can hunt in the early season, hunt the early season because there is no guarantee that they're going to be there into the pre-rut and into the rut. There's just not. Now, you know, the old saying is, okay, bucks, they're going to shift. They're going to move quick, but those that are here today are here to stay. Yeah, sort of, some of the time, a lot of the time, but nothing is a guarantee. 
They were, that property was crawling with does last year in September, and a month later, couldn't find a doe. Now, they might have only been a couple hundred yards away, but that I wasn't able to hunt a couple hundred yards away. I you know, had a very, it's a very small property, 10 or so acres maybe of huntable land, so things are limited. So you got to hunt when the deer are there. Some places, one place in particular that I like to hunt, it's a rut area. It's a cruising area. I, I wouldn't want to hunt there in the early season. In fact, I avoided it entirely because I know when the deer are going to be there, so I know when's the time to hunt there. And that's why you would hunt the early season. That's why the when factor would, would equate here because you know the deer are there, so hunt them while they're there. Don't play games. Don't wait till it's going to be, quote, easier to hunt. If they're not there, it doesn't matter. You can't hunt them. So the when matters. Now, this year I'm planning to, um, I've got a lot more sophisticated setup, trail cameras, same place as last year. I'm doing some, some data collection to see, okay, now that I've got some clover and some other things on the property, how much longer into the fall does that hold them? But I was like, you know what? It might hold them into the pre-rut. It might hold deer into the rut, but I'm not going to take that chance. So I'll have the data to know more next year but nothing's for sure. So if you have bucks there, hunt bucks while they're there. Number three, wind. You gotta play the wind. Wind is your friend or your enemy, depending on where you set up. Um, you know, you really want that wind to be blowing your scent into a non-deer area. Wherever you're setting up, you wanna know what are the most advantageous winds that you can hunt there, what are okay, what's okay, and what is just a no-go. And if the wind is a no-go, you need to not hunt that day or that place. Now, I recommend you have a couple places to hunt, even if they're on the same property. You have a couple tree stands or a couple blinds or a couple whatever. So, you know, no matter which way the wind's blowing, if you've got time to hunt, there's somewhere you can hunt without the wind hurting you. Now, that said, what you're planning to hunt, uh, the wind matters more and less. So if you're trying to get a deer, if you're trying to hunt does, um, the wind is not as big of a factor. It matters, but it's not as big of a factor. Mature bucks care about wind. Does care about food. And a lot of time, other than the, the biggest mature does, they will, they will overlook some scent in the wind if what they want is there. Um, so, you, you know, that'll work sometimes, but... You're just always better off only hunting places where the wind is to your advantage. If you're hunting a food plot, do not hunt there while the wind is blowing your scent into the food plot. If you're hunting an oak tree or an apple tree, don't hunt if the wind is blowing your scent into that tree. You know, check the weather channel, AccuWeather.com, whatever hunting app you use. It's going to tell you what the wind is, what the general direction of the wind for that day or that afternoon is going to be. That's enough. You know, there's always going to be some contrary winds. The wind's going to do things that are unpredictable. We know that. You just have to live with it. But you want the prevailing wind direction. You know, I was out and it was a northwest wind. Northwest on the day I shot my buck. And where I was sitting was on a corner. And that northwest wind was blowing my scent down a gas line road. And then up into a brushy area that is not known to hold a lot of deer. So my chances of spooking deer on that day were minimal. A, um, a northeast wind would have been better for me on that spot. 
but a nor any north wind I could hunt there. Northeast would be best. Due north is is good, and then northwest was okay. And I had the day to hunt, so I took the okay wind. Now, interestingly enough, you know, of course the wind changes and all that happens. And but deer don't always care about the wind, just usually. They don't always care, just usually. And the more mature the buck, the more they care, the more sensitive they're going to be to it. So I knew on that day that as long as there was something north-ish or east, any north or east related wind I could hunt. What I could not hunt was a southwest or a southeast wind. Just can't hunt anything from the south there, at least not effectively. It's going to literally eliminate, you know, 50% or more of my field of view and where the deer are going to come from and hang out. So, um, you know, the day I hunted those awkward trails that didn't yield anything, that was because I had a wind that was contrary to where I was hunt to, to where my good spots were, and I needed an off wind stand. And I realized, you know, I probably should have just stayed home <laughs> because that was just not a good stand for that time of year. But the wind does matter. You're, you're better off not hunting a day with the wrong wind and not messing up your spot and educating the deer that this is where you are and this is what you do to put them more on guard the next time they're there and the next time you're there. So you got to play the wind. Number four, scent control. Scent control matters. And I'm going to do some, some more things in the future about scent control. But scent control matters. You, you got to think in terms of controlling your scent. Just playing the wind is not good enough because the wind does things that are contrary. The wind is not always reliable. You may not be super good at judging the wind either. It's very possible, especially if you're a new hunter. I myself am not fantastic at judging the wind. That's, I rely on technology. Uh, but even then, it's still never you know 100% right. You, you have to be mindful of scent control. Now I said control, not elimination. There is no way to eliminate your scent. Closest thing you can get to eliminating your scent is a persistent 7 to 10 mile an hour wind that is blowing 100% of your scent off a cliff or up into Rocky Mountains or somewhere where no deer are ever going to be. That's the best you can hope for. But even on days where the wind is good for where you're sitting, it's not always going to be blowing. That wind could die down. That wind could take a break. That wind could even blow the opposite direction a couple minutes here and there. So you have to think about controlling your scent. Now, people go to ridiculous lengths on this. They really do. They buy seven-part systems of products and things and, and spend hundreds of dollars on it and go through all these rituals and things whenever they are trying to, to, to control their scent and eliminate their scent. You don't need to go that far. You know, it, it's kind of like it's an 80-20 rule. You can get 80% of the benefit with 20% of the work. The other 20% of the benefit, you need 80% of the work. So, you know, you just put in that 20% of work and that'll, that'll do a lot. Here's the thing. Deer are used to human scent. Most of the places any new hunter is going to be hunting, deer are used to human scent. Unless you're in the big woods or in the mountains or somewhere where there are no people, you know, deer have smelled people. They're used to smelling people to a degree. 
What they're not used to is people being right up in their bedding area, right up in their food area, right where they're walking and hanging out in the woods where they think they're safe. But, uh, you know, deer will tolerate human scent because they're surrounded by humans. We live in a country of humans and the places that most people hunt are near where they live. So the deer are near the people. Uh, But what you want to do is you want to minimize your scent. So if deer do get a whiff of you, they don't think you're right there 30 yards away. It's faint. It's diluted. it, It smells to them like you're maybe a couple hundred yards away and it doesn't alarm them or doesn't alarm them enough to spook them out. That's what you're going for. You want to reduce your scent signature. So how do you do that? This is worthy of a few episodes, but in short, you must bathe, right? If people, we stink enough that we can smell each other, guaranteed the deer can smell you. Guaranteed. You must bathe. You know, a lot of people, they get real crazy and and they'll bathe, you know, wake up at four in the morning and bathe and then go out hunting at 4.30 in the morning. I'm just not there. I'm just, maybe you are. I'm not waking up an extra half hour, hour early to shower before going out in the deer woods. My alarm clock goes off. My clothes are already laid out. I am dressed and in the car in 15 minutes or less if I can help it. It just, that's just not worth it to me. But I'll bathe the day before, sometimes the night before. If I'm going out for an evening hunt and I'm able, I might bathe before I go out. You know, I'm not crazy about it, but I, you know, don't, don't want to go days without bathing. Now, people talk about all kinds of super duper you know, body washes and scent elimination hair stuff and all those kind of things. Well, this year I did buy a bar of scent elimination soap. I got some dead down wind soap. It was four or five dollars for the bar. You get that bar, cut it in half, you know, use one half, then use the other half. That bar will last most people, especially new hunters, an entire season, maybe two seasons. You know, there are other super all-natural, organic, scent-free kind of stuff I was looking at. And I was like, you know what? It's just not worth it. That stuff is more expensive. Get one bar of soap, and it works really good. You know, they're not a sponsor, but they're welcome to become one. Uh, I thought it worked pretty good. But it gets rid of your odor, and it's basically just soap without any fragrance to it. And supposedly there are magical enzymes in it that help just eat away odor and and whatever else. They've got great marketing, but I thought I just wanted some soap that was completely scent and perfume free and five bucks done. So, you know, take your bath with that or your shower with that. Do your hair with it. Everything works good. They make all kind of other stuff that you can do, you know, multi-layered systems. You know, people get, they'll get dressed and then they'll, they'll spray themselves down with scent elimination spray. You shouldn't have to do that. You really shouldn't. You know, wash your clothes. That's the other part of scent control. Wash your gear. If it stinks, wash it. If you're not sure, wash it. In deer season, I tend to wash everything every time I wear it, except for maybe my parka and my, my big heavy-duty bibs. Everything else I wash. Although I wash it just as much for tick control as I do scent control. So, uh, and you want to wash it in scent-free detergent. 
Now, there's really expensive scent elimination detergents out there. I'll tell you what I use. It's called... Uh, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Nelly's Laundry Soda. And it is has nothing to do with hunting. It's old school, fragrance-free. My wife just doesn't like laundry detergent that has fragrances in it. So for years we've been using this stuff. Um, literally one tin of it. It comes in a tin and it'll do a hundred loads. And I think it costs like 12 bucks. And it's cheaper than buying Tide or anything else. It is cheaper than your regular laundry soap. You use a little scoop of this powder and it works great. And it is better, in my opinion, than most of the hunting soap that's out there. And it costs just a, a percentage of what they do. But get yourself some kind of, you know, scent-free laundry detergent. And, and please do not use fabric softeners and dryer sheets. You're just shooting yourself in the foot. You might as well not even take a shower because that is just going to add smell to you. And we don't use those things anyway, just because, you know, my wife prefers not to, not to add all kind of random scent and chemicals to our clothing, which works great for me, but it's super easy to do. So wash your stuff and something that is, doesn't add any scent to it, wash your body. Now people spray themselves down and I'm like, you know what, if your gear is relatively clean and you're clean, that should be enough. I do use one scent elimination spray. I'll use a Lima Shield. Um, and of course, they're not a sponsor. There are no sponsors, right? This <laughs> I wish there were. I'd take their money. But I use a Lima Shield not on my clothing, on my boots. When I get to where I'm going, I pop off my shoes. I pick my boots up. I'll spray the bottoms and the fronts of them with spray. And then I'll put my boots on. Why do I do that? So when I'm walking to my tree stand or walking to the hunting blind, I'm not leaving a trail of scent. I use rubber boots now these days most of the time for deer season. And rubber does not hold scent like leather or cloth might. And I spray it down with the scent elimination spray. And, you know, walk through the woods. I, I have yet to see a single deer stop and smell where I walked after I've started doing that with the rubber boots and the spray. And of course, if you're just spraying your boots a couple times, one bottle will last a season, maybe two, maybe three seasons. Depends on how often you hunt. So, you know, that's the one thing that I do use. I think that it helps. But once you're on your stand, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you spray your boots or anything like that. It's all about helping you to eliminate the trail of scent that you, or minimize the trail of scent that you, you take into the, into the woods with you. 
The one other thing that I've been working on and learning about is your breathing. So, you know, I've noticed this not having anything to do with hunting, just talking to people. And you can be sitting next to a person and they're breathing, you know, just fine. And then they start talking to you, breathing out of their mouth. And you're like, oh man, their breath is terrible. And I got me thinking, if I could smell their breath, deer could smell it. There's no doubt about it. So I've been working on, when I'm in the stand, trying to only breathe through my nose. Or breathe in through my mouth, but only exhale through the nose. Especially if I'm hunting on the ground. In a tree, I don't care so much, because that altitude helps you a little bit. But when I'm hunting on the ground, when deer might be 5 or 10 feet away from me, I'll breathe out through my nose, because you're putting less odor, you're putting less scent into the wind. And we exhale, I don't remember what the stat is, but hundreds of cubic feet of air at any given hour and you know if that stinks then everything else that you do is 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 gonna not matter as much so if you breathe out through your nose you're not eliminating your smell but you're putting a lot less out there you're putting less odors you're putting less just less stuff into the air you're minimizing you are reducing your scent signature and again it's not just about making the deer could never smell you because that won't happen. It's about if they do catch a whiff, it's so faint or you seem so far that they're not alarmed. That's kind of what you're going for. If you get some bad wind or no wind for a while and your scent just sort of saturates an area, you want it to seem like you are far away as opposed to right there. That's what you're hoping for. That's what you're aiming for. So, of course, I did all of those things before I went out that day. So you got number one, where are you going to hunt? Number two, when are you going to hunt? Number three, the wind. Number four, scent control. Number five, ready. I was sitting there like, here's the thing that gets me. I'm all about ready. I did an entire episode on just being ready and how to be ready, mentally ready, physically ready, holding your, your implement of choice ready. I get there, you know, I, I got down in the blind. I figure, okay, first 20 minutes you know, just trying to wait till the woods forget I'm there. I'm just lay, sitting there, pull my phone out. Deer walks right up next to the blind. I mean, five feet away from me, could have shot that deer with a knife. It was just right there. That was a doe fawn, but literally five feet. I had not been there for 15 minutes and there's a deer five feet away from me. I'm staring at it. It's staring right at me and, you know, I'm just freeze. Right? Just completely frozen. Because I don't want to spook this deer. Because a deer spook could spook other deer. I know I'm not going to shoot this deer, but I don't want to spook it either. And I'm sitting there, sitting there, and, you know, either he didn't see me or didn't notice any threat. And just kept on. Hung around there for like 20 minutes. Eating and putzing around. Then another one walked out. and Because, of course, I'd pick my phone back up. And I'm like, ah! What if there was a buck following it? And of course, from that point, I was like, all right, I gotta put the phone down and I gotta be ready. Gotta be ready the whole time. So I'm sitting there with my crossbow in my lap, held bright. The, the, the stock of it is in my shoulder. All I gotta do is lift and pull the trigger. It's all I gotta do. While well, I was sitting there for another hour, two hours, and you know, I move around, maybe turn my hand over every now and then because you just can't hold something clenched for hours, but I'm ready. And I'm sitting there and boom. I'm looking straight ahead, 
and just at the, the just at the edge of the woods, coming out of a little trail, I see a head with antlers. I mean, just there it is, just materialized, just appeared out of nowhere. And of course, I'd given myself a pep talk, you know, 20 minutes before that, because it was a slow night after those fawns moved on. I was like, you know, it can happen so fast. It can happen in an instant. It's not there, and then it is. I was like, deer could just literally appear in front of you, stay focused, don't lose heart, boom, deer just appeared in front of me. I mean, it took one step into the out of the woods, into the clearing, my bow, I'm just waiting. I just moved my one hand into position. He came, once he was fully cleared the woods, and I had, my, I had two seconds to say, yep, that's a shooter. Those antlers are good. He's, he's legal. He's big enough. He's reached my criteria that I set in my mind for what am I going to shoot this year, which was only bigger than last year. And he stepped out. I drew up. I didn't even look at the antlers through the scope. Of the, of the crossbow. Didn't even look at the head. I went straight up. As soon as I found shoulder, my tr- trigger finger pulled back and I heard the thud of arrow hitting target. And it was just, it was almost automatic, almost on autopilot. Uh, but he looked at me at first. He came out, looked right up, looked there, looked all around, looked in every direction before he stepped out into the plot. And had I been fiddling and picking something up off the ground and taking the safety off and all this stuff, great chance I could have spooked him. But I had no movement whatsoever. And he cleared that woods and then boom, at my shoulder, arrows flying, even to be even staring at me, wouldn't have had much time to react. And it was all over, just like that. Because I was ready, I was had everything in hand. All I mean the stock, I mean the, the stock is already in my shoulder. It's just pointed down with my front hand resting on my knee all I'd had to do was lift it put my head down onto the stock or on the through the scope so I could see through the scope and then boom let it fly just automatic and I had practiced that maneuver I was not just ready that day I had practiced it at the shooting range I'd practice sitting in a chair I got a target in the field close my eyes just sit there for a while turn around a little bit you know, get up, turn around, disorient yourself, whatever, have somebody else move the target, open your eyes, boom, where's the target, lift, shoot, just practicing that, you know, just from a sitting position, no rest, all that stuff, so I knew at this, this range, whatever happened, I'm ready, I'm good, I'm accurate enough, I practice doing that with minimal movement, and here's the thing, people don't realize, even especially if you're hunting in a hunting blind, movement makes noise people think oh i'm in a blind they can't see me yeah well they can hear you well enough on the ground 20 feet away from them especially you know you're wearing a coat that's just a little bit noisy and the stock rubs on it and whatever movement can makes noise so i knew i want to eliminate all the movement and noise that i can i don't have to pick the pick the thing up and then shoulder the stock because i knew that could make noise with just the movement of the cloth on my shoulder so i'm already sitting there It's in my shoulder. All I got to do is lift and shoot, and that's what I did. So these are the things. Now, of course, you can head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Look at the show notes for this episode. I'll put some photos there of the buck so you could see it. He was a nice eight point. Not a big eight point, but a nice eight point. Bigger than last year's uh, six point with too many nubs. He was a nice little eight point. 
I say little. It's a moderate size eight point. I was kind of, there are bigger deer around, but again, this was my fourth hunt. We're running out of early season. I don't know if the deer are going to be there further into October. So I had my plan. I had my goal. I knew what I was willing to shoot. Deer stepped out. And again, you could take all five points. If I'd have never told you any of this stuff, I could have just gave you the story. I just walked out of the blind, sat there for two hours, deer walked out, shot it, easy, done. And I have done that maneuver before many times and no success at all. But it's all these other strategies that come together. Yeah, I just walked out to the blind, but I knew when to be there. I knew they were going to be there. I knew that there were deer in front of that spot very often. I knew they're there very often in the evenings. I walked out to the blind wearing boots that had scent elimination on them with clothes that were recently washed with my body that was relatively recently washed and clean. And then I, I sat there focused and ready, breathing out through my nose, trying to minimize my scent signature in case a contrary wind blows wind where I don't think it's going to go. Doing all those things. It wasn't just walked out there and sat down and deer came out and I shot it. It was all these pieces, all these strategies were working together. Now, can you get lucky? Yes, you can get lucky. You just walk out there, sit down, deer walks out and you shoot it. But I tell you what, I have tried to get lucky lots of times. I have for years tried to get lucky like that. And, and I have not had that happen. It's strategy that puts you in a position to be lucky. It's knowing what to do. It's knowing how to carry yourself. It's listening to these episodes on the New Hunter's Guide and other great people that are out there giving, giving hands-on, tangible stuff you can really do something with to give you the best chance to put yourself in a position to succeed. Now, I gave you guys the whole order of things, and I put them in that order for a reason. Is most important things first. Number one, where to hunt. If there's not going to be deer there, you can do everything else. It doesn't matter. If there are deer there, you could get everything else wrong and at least still have a chance. Number two, when to hunt. You got to know what time of day or what time of season they're going to be there. You got to scout. You got to get some cameras. You got to spend some time outside. You got to maybe talk to some people who aren't competitors that are going to give you misinformation because that happens. You got to know where. You got to know when. If you're in the right place at the right time, again, you can mess up a lot of other things and at least still have a chance. Then you got the wind. Right place, right time, right wind. Ooh, you got a great chance now you have a really good chance of getting something right. You can make a lot of other mistakes if you got those three. And then you're in the right place, right time, right wind. Control your scent for when the wind does awkward things or unexpected things happen or, or deer come from unexpected directions. And then you're ready to capitalize on it. You're ready to take advantage of the opportunity. You know, I have long been a believer of the advice that that I heard one seasoned hunter say that I always take the first decent shot that I get. I don't wait for a good shot because usually you don't get a good shot uh, and the animal's gone. You get a decent shot. And that's I've made that my motto. First decent, ethical, reasonable shot that I can get a double lung or whatever it is for whatever game you're hunting. That's the one I'm taking. I'm not waiting for the perfect shot because perfect usually never comes. And deer tend to disappear while you're waiting for perfect. But you're ready. So I hope this stuff was helpful for you guys. I had a blast in the woods that night. 
you know, I put the photos up on the website so you can see the deer. I liked him. I think he's going to look real good on my wall. Of course, I'm not going to do a full mount. I'm just going to take those antlers and mount that on a board. I did an entire episode on that because I don't want to spend $600 and 30 takes up a lot less space on the wall anyway. So, uh, but I hope this is helpful for you guys. Head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Check out the show notes for this episode, the photos, other tips, lots of other episodes on deer hunting and every other kind of hunting that I could put together with more to come. So till later, God bless you guys and go get them in the woods. Anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.